0: following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalimore. All right, welcome to this very special bonus episode Brought to you by your fellow loyal Patreon and PayPal supporters, and hell, even people who buy shit on Amazon. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, sitting across from me, the lovely, the talented, raring-to-go, Brittany Page.
1: You know, you always say that it's very good because it's real good, (laughs) and it's always real good.
0: Well, I also say it's very special, but... Everything that comes out of my mouth is super special.
1: Well, I, I am a
0: pretty special guy. I wouldn't, Brittany no, Page.
1: it's taken a little too well, far. But this is, a, it's taken a little too far.
0: This is an inauspicious start. It is. We have a very special guest with us today. The also lovely and talented and scholarly author, tweet guy, Facebook guy, activist guy who who stands in a mountain and screams at jackasses like Ken Ham I don't know about the mountain part but Dan Errol everybody Dan thank you for joining us Thank you for having me back Yeah yeah we had you on before when you uh, your parenting book right
2: Sure did yeah
0: You are yeah, a, you are you a year ago You are a prolific churner outer of content my man
2: Well I churn out content <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, we, we, I am committed this year, after the election of the orange-faced Fuhrer, I am committed this year to do a lot more b- bonus episodes like this. We, the last one we had uh, a super liberal, like, feel-good kind of a Jesus pastor. And um, we had him on. And I wanted to not have that be the activist element that we, we talk about on the show. I wanted to have you on because, one, I guess I'm... I guess I'm kind of a fanboy. I I love me some Dan Errol. You you go out to like the the Noah's Ark bullshit with Ken Ham, like I talked about. You you've been exposing him and the treachery that he's involved with a, the better part of last year. And I just I just I love the shit out of you, man. I think that you do good good work. <laughs> and love affair. Whether you know it or not, it's probably a one sided relationship. But I'm I'm uh, I'm digging you.
2: The sexy text messages. I mean, <laughs> they gave it away. Uh, <laughs> A lot of dick um, pics. A lot of what, dick pics. What, what almost makes it sad is that you said, you know, I've been battling Ken Ham for the better part of the year. It's been almost four. Oh, really? Which is just depressing. <laughs> well, it's these things up, take time. It's coming up on four years of, of me and Ken.
0: I mean, listen, as as oft as awesome as your work is, you did fail at getting that uh, of having that stupid ass arc uh, built. So I have to we got to we got (laughs) to we got to call you out on your shit when it when it's there. He I don't want to get into that whole deal. But if you if you're interested out there in Dan Errol's work related to this, you can go to his, his blog. It's just Danthropology, right? Just Google that, and they'll find
2: Google it. Google that. Danthropology.net d- will bring you right there. Oh, okay. But also, the entire story from start, from the very first time I even interacted with Ken Ham to literally me standing at the protest is all in the secular activist. Oh, nice. Oh. I, up- I updated the book on the flight home right before it went to print, like two days before.
0: Oh, that is awesome. And that's why we have you on today. You, you, you've you just written a book.
1: The Secular Activist, a How-To Manual for Protecting the Wall Between Church and state.
0: And I think, well, obviously, my, my audience knows me well enough to know that I think that is vitally important. And it's vitally important not just if you're a non-believer, but it's vitally important if you are a believer. Because whose religion is going to be the one to make the rules? Do you want it to be, you know, the, the Allah people? Or do you want it to be the Jesus people? Or you know some other wacky fairy tale, and we have to. We don't want people like Louis Gohmert. I'm sure you know who Louis Gohmert is. Oh yeah, who believes that the the wall between church and state was, as he put it, a one way wall. Which I don't think he understands how walls work. (laughs) But I want to have you on the show because I want to talk about. Right now, it's I believe more important than ever with Donald Trump being poised to be our next president to get involved whether it be at the local level or raising your voice if you happen to you know do like what we do you know you have a podcast we have a podcast you know everybody and their neighbor now has a podcast but i think it's important and i would like to get from you what you think the most relevant and effective ways to to become an activist are
2: great so you know Loaded question, I know. <laughs> you made, but you made you made a you made a valid point, and so I, you know, wrote the book. This is you know the book came out in on October first, so election hadn't happened yet. Everything still looked rosy, as far as I was concerned. Secular activism was going to take place under Clinton. Yeah, so it was going to be, you know, pushing things forward, uh, just holding back the religious right. It was going to be about, you know. Getting those last hurdles jumped over, uh, you know, tried to pass laws that stop states like Texas from attacking women's rights through, you know, the weird legal system and changing, you know, laws here and there just to make it impossible. Never did I expect we would basically be hitting the reset button and having to start all over again. Yeah, goddamn. And so here I am gearing up for a book tour and I have a, this talk about Ken Ham and the things we have left to do. And then everything just hit the fan yeah, and hard. And on my way to San Francisco, I was frantically updating my talk because I all of a sudden looked at secular activism through a whole new light. It was no longer about, you know, Oh, let's just hold the religious right back and let's push these things forward. The religious right is going to be in control now. I mean, they have the white house, they're going to have Congress. They're going to have, Uh, the Supreme court. Yeah. Well, listen, activism that we know is over. I I didn't. When, when, when Donald
0: Trump picked Mike Pence to be his vice presidential running mate, I thought, well, I, in my head, there was just zero chance that Donald Trump was going to be elected. So it didn't really bother me that much. I know that he's anti-science. I know that he's a kook. I know that he goes on the house floor and talks about, you know, evolution being a quote-unquote theory in his smarmy smug-ass way but because i didn't really conceptualize in a real in like reality that donald trump would be president it didn't bother me as much but now that it's a real deal it is a big deal that he's the vice president because he is he wants a theocracy that's that's his mindset
1: Well, we even got a glimpse of that in the VP debates when that last question was asked of Tim Kaine and Mike Pence, basically saying, you know, you're you're two men of very strong faith. And has there ever been a time where you've had to reconcile your faith with legislation? And Tim Kaine gave a really great response about how he's against the death penalty. But as governor, he had to authorize some deaths under the death penalty and that was difficult for him and Mike Pence said yeah I'm really against abortion <laughs> um
0: <laughs> D- didn't fucking answer the question yeah at all. <laughs>
1: I mean he just he had no conception of what the question even was he didn't even understand it because uh, from his perspective the Christian worldview is the correct worldview and everyone should be living under that worldview
0: so l- yep. l- l- let's get down let's start at the, kind of the beginning how would you define, loosely define activism?
2: So, I think activism needs to be loosely defined because it can be that person that has 10 minutes a month to just go on Facebook and share an important article and to voice their opinion as to, you know, why there's an injustice happening or why people should care about such an issue and then go on with their day. Yeah. Or it can be the person that devotes 10 12 18 hours a day to activism because the one thing i hate the most in activism is the belittlement of other activists for not doing as much yeah, as you goddamn <laughs> and i really focused on that in the book as well i you know look slacktivism just just sharing facebook posts just sharing a a, a petition is activism Literally, and, and, and right to secular activism itself and atheism, just telling somebody I'm an atheist when they talk about religion to you, or it comes up in a conversation, just saying, oh, I'm an atheist, is activism in this country. Yeah. Because that can change the perception of what atheism is for those of us, or not those of us, I say us, as an atheist in general, that cannot come out and be an atheist because they fear losing their job. They fear... You know their family kicking them out—all these different scenarios that keep people, you know, in the closet of atheism. Just admitting you are one is a form of activism.
0: That's a—I'm glad to hear you say that because it is the the term "slacktivist." Now, if you're if you're a hashtag activist, I do eh, kind of that get that grates on me a little bit Um, because really, there's no discussion around you know, Coney 2012. You're not really doing anything. But if you are sharing articles, I mean, look at Standing Rock right now. It is largely, I mean, largely because of the bodies on the ground. But the conversation wouldn't have seen the light of day hadn't it been for quote-unquote slacktivists on Facebook. So I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm heartened. Is that a thing, Brittany? I am sure. The the antithesis of disheartened. <laughs> 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 to hear you, to hear you, not shit on quote unquote slacktivism, that's good.
2: No, to me, it can be just as important. And you know, I I often tell a story about my own mom, who, on in 2013, changed her Facebook profile to the equal sign. Uh, oh. Like a like million, you know, millions of people did it.
0: Oh, is that what but, that is? Si- is that what that is?
2: Marriage the, equality, the human rights, the human rights. Uh, oh, it's an equal whatever. sign. It's mm-hmm. a little equal sign. Oh, yeah.
0: holy shit! Yeah, look at this. I'm being
1: schooled by Dan Errol. That is awesome. How the
2: hell did I not know that was an equal
1: sign? That is the question in my head right now. I am a fucking wondering Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering,
2: what, what, am I, what am I doing here? <laughs> 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 yeah, what a nightmare. Anyway, yeah, so she changed. So, so she changed. Her, and, and prior to that, if you said, and I'll, my mom, my daughter's name is Vicky, wonderful woman. Vicky, who are you voting for? She'd say, none of your business. You say, oh, what's your stance on X, Y, Z? She'd say, none of your business. Yeah, yeah. She had all of her own beliefs and ideologies and all of it. But she didn't talk. You know, you didn't talk. You don't talk about religion and politics and all these things. She didn't like doing it. She didn't like the confrontation. But she changed her profile picture that day. And people started commenting, either excited that she was on their side or like, wow, I didn't know you would have you felt that way. And some even upset she felt that way. Yeah. Wow. And she went to bat and said, Of course I think that everyone should deserve, you know, equal rights. Of course I believe that. But then stepped away. Like there was no big debate. She just answered the question and walked away. And then I started I started seeing other people's Facebook profiles change in those comments.
0: Yeah, that's great.
2: So it does work. And people really did shit on people changing their profiles, saying that's meaningless, it doesn't do anything. It does. For a very certain sort of person. it, It reaches out to people's friends that don't get active or don't share their opinions with each other.
1: Yeah, it can also kind of influence someone. Like you're explaining your mom is this very beautiful person. I'm sure there's many people that respect her. And when she did that visible sign of how she felt, people that respected her probably said, whoa, this is someone that I I think is educated, that I look up to. Maybe I should take a second look at this issue. And you could be changing minds just by that very simple act, probably.
2: Uh, Yeah, I, I very much think so. Because I also, if you think about it, there's no way, statistically speaking, that my mom's the anomaly here. And that's the only person this happened to.
0: Yeah, we like to, we talk about on the show that we don't, as far as avoiding an echo chamber, and we talk about not, don't mute people, don't block people, unless they're being like a fucker to you, they're being abusive. Because, and also don't avoid Facebook, quote unquote, arguments. Don't don't avoid Facebook discussions, because Britney has had, many people, I I mean, more than I can count on my hands, email her privately or message her privately and say, thank you for the discussions that you do because I've slowly over time learned a lot and some have said they changed their minds and their viewpoints and that's, you might not even know the effect that you're having by having those discussions. It's people who are in the wings reading secretly, privately, who are going to be affected by it too.
2: Yeah, and you know, one, one of the things, a point I make a lot is for activists, they need to also, they need to realize kind of up front that a lot of times you're never going to know the impact your activism has. And so activists can't sit around waiting for the feel-good moments to keep going. They have to be activists because they, know, they need to know they're going to have to keep going. And it can be a slightly disheartening. Sure. So we'll, we'll, we'll go... With the heartening phrases all night, um, that you know you have to, you're making an impact whether you know it or not. Yeah, well, always always keep that in mind when you're when you're doing what you do, because it's rare that that person reaches out and says, "Wow, you did this for me," or "Wow, you did that," because they just go on with their life as well.
1: Right.
0: Well, let let me ask you: relative to secular activism. What do you think are the most important issues? Or for you, uh, you're not going to make decisions for other people, but for you right now, what are the most important issues that you that you are wanting to uh, champion this year?
2: Uh, Same sex rights. I think standing up for the LGBTQ community is going to be, I think, one of the top priorities for me, uh, and I hope it is for a lot more uh, people because you know we just saw Congress last week finally push through. Their uh, discrimination bill that allows federal employers to discriminate against uh, LGBTQ employees. Yeah. And, of course, Obama will veto it when it, if it hits his desk, and I think it already it may have. And this is an older bill that fought its way through and finally got in. But give it two months, three months, four months. This bill is going to come up again. And we're going to have to not only fight them from passing because we're going to have very little power there but we need to be vocal, we need to be uh, very strident in the we don't think these should pass, these are horrible bills but we also have to have a plan for what to do when they do pass what does our resistance to these bills look like uh, you know, in the secular community and I, I use this word carefully because I don't mean it in the, the, the ways we're using it currently in, in debate, but I think that we need to create safe spaces for people that are going to come under attack. What do you mean by that? And I mean a place where, uh, let's, let's, I can use two examples. I guess there's the, there's the humanist hub in the Boston area and up in Sacramento is a, another humanist sort of uh, uh, room. Like they have a, they bought like a, or they, they rent like a, a, a hall and they make it available for for groups to use to come together to meet to plan, and I think we're going to need to. For one for one thing, is if you know the the gay community is coming under attack and they just feel like they need a place to get away, to to know there's a place they can go and they'll be protected and safe. Uh, if they're being harassed and they want to leave, they have a place to go. Hmm. So I don't mean – like I said, that's why I was trying to use the word safe space carefully is to not in the – let's not have the academic – The academic, the academic over,
0: yeah. Goddamn. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but a, an actual place where they can go and be safe and that we can even offer them to them like if you guys want to meet here once a week and you know just talk to each other and, and hear the problems you're having and just know that you're protected and no one can touch you. Here's, here's – and the secular community can create that. Yeah. Because we can also make that available to things we don't agree with. Because, you know, and this is kind of part two of the question here is upholding freedom of religion is going to fall on us. It's going to fall on us harder than anybody else. Because, for for starters, because the, the moderate Christians who aren't the far right, I don't think they realize what a Christian theocracy would actually mean to them yeah. yeah, because it's not good for them. If you have, if you have a moderate Christian belief, it's not going to be respected under a Mike Pence version of a theocracy.
0: Right. Cause you're, well, they've already created terms for Republicans who don't toe the, the, the radical line. They're called rhinos Republican in name only. We're not far away from having that be, for Christians as well, you're not a, you're not really a Christian unless you follow this particular um, insane flavor. You know,
2: read Ken Ham's blog. That's all it is. Yeah, piece after piece about how certain Christians aren't Christians.
0: <laughs> what what's your background, Dan? Did you grow up um, out of uh, Pente- out of religion?
2: Pente- Pentecostal. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. that's
0: me too, brother. See, that's why I
2: love you speaking so much. In, speaking in tongues, running up and down the aisle. Yeah, oh, yeah, me Sounds too.
1: Sounds like a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great.
2: It's a party.
0: Were you... Um, is your mom still in?
2: Uh, I... She thinks she is. She's not. Right. Um, <laughs> no, she... So I grew up... She worked for the church. We were always at church. Yeah. We, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday night. Uh, in between, because she was doing bookkeeping and whatnot. At the pastor's house for dinner all the time. Yeah. Uh, no, she... Today... My mom will say, Oh, I'll pray for you if something bad's happening. You know, I've got cancer. Oh, I, I'll pray for you. Right. That's probably the most religious she is. <laughs> it, it's, a cul- it's a cultural response. <laughs> to her, yeah. And, you know, I asked her because I didn't quite believe her that she even believed anymore. She's like, No, I still do. But at the same time, I publish a book, I go on TV, I do anything. She's the first to share it. Yeah. She's yeah, the yeah. first to put up, and be like, Look what he's doing. And people will be like, Ooh. That's
0: like, well, Listen, that's. But I think she it, does it. I think it's great because um, I'm estranged from my my parents because of the divide in in ideologies my mom uh, this always pains me to say but my mom was a donald trump delegate at the convention in cleveland she's she is sold out for jesus and for donald trump i don't think those two things are congruent but it's just it's the fact i think it's a beautiful thing that you're still able to to have a functioning healthy relationship with you know with with your parents being as as active in the atheist community a, as you are, I think that's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's great. You know, my dad's come out as an atheist since. Uh, both my sisters and my brother have all come out as atheists, uh, and I can't take all the credit for that. But I think I've definitely empowered them to speak up about it and to and to realize that they can speak up about it.
0: Did you where would you grow up? San Diego, uh, New Hampshire. In New Hampshire.
2: Mm -hmm. that's
0: a that's a whole different uh, (laughs) whole different flavor of individual up there it's a different caliber of person new hampshire is a kind of a a very
2: good luck describing it
0: (laughs) yeah I I, i mean even right now they have this large insurgent libertarian and you and i are we're not polar opposites on politics but you're it really is a testament to being able to admire someone, even while fucking vehemently disagreeing with you. Uh, I've been, I've been, it's been a cringe fest all week about the the, the Castro posts that you've been doing, but uh,
2: for me, oh, I've been having, I've been having way too much fun with those. <laughs> But, they're upsetting. are upsetting everybody, and I don't mind. <laughs>
0: but New Hampshire, it is a you know they have that libertarian free free state thing that they're having up there, and live um, free or die. Yeah, it's a it's 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 kind of a weird amalgam of different political ethos.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird place to grow up politically. Anyways, I mean it's very liberal, conservative, libertarian hippie
0: i think do you think that it's all of it do you think that it um it served to kind of inform your activism now as an adult
2: i don't really think so i think when i left new hampshire in 2004 i was probably more of your run-of-the-mill democrat who didn't I didn't like a lot of the things Republicans wanted to do, but I was probably a bit more fiscally conservative to a degree. Yeah. Like I, I never would have voted for one of them because of all the other stuff, but I was more of a, I grew up in a a part, whole part of my family. Very, uh, like when, when we we talk welfare leeches in this country, it's a small percentage of people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. uh, That most of that percentage is a, a whole part of my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just refused to work, mm-hmm. refused to try, refused to take part, and just take, 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 take. And that really upset me, because I, I always knew there's people out there that actually need these programs to Absolutely. get back on their feet, to get going, All this, and then I would watch them just, just take. And so, for a long time, that informed my politics of We've got to stop these people from taking, because they might be my family, but I, they're they're leeching. They're taking, they're taking from me. Uh, it took. It, then you know, I think I moved out here, a much different environment in San Diego, much different group of people you end up with, and that's when I started to really learn about. Uh, the ins and outs of the welfare system. Realize that they're they're the they're the minority of it.
0: Yeah, the, I mean they're, they're dwarfed. It's a, a exactly. tiny, tiny, minuscule minority of welfare fraud.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and technically, they're not even breaking the law. Like they're not they're not even they're not even the fraud part of it because they're not doing anything illegal from taking. They're just lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Do nothings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I realized that uh, as I became more involved in humanism and things like that, that really I need to let that kind of baggage go. They're going to take, but I can focus on the people that are taking that don't want to be. I can focus on making these programs better so that people don't even have to take that. I could, you know, and I think from that sort of grew my started moving me more liberal, more to the left, more to the left and now I'm, you know, you you cut me open and, and, and I, for hammers and sickles from running out yeah, of me. Yeah, you're, you're,
0: you're beyond the point of no return now, brother.
2: I'm a card-carrying member of the Socialist Party USA. Right. I'm on their anti-war commission. I'm on their labor and living wage commission. Yeah.
0: Well, well let me ask you this. I think this year, I guess I'm going to ask you a question by making a statement. <laughs> This year, I think that it's going to be vitally important, especially if they start rolling back rights for LGBT and these different marginalized populations. Black Lives Matter. I I think that civil disobedience is going to be something that I am really starting to take a closer look at because that I'm... I'm very fond of the, the the quote in fact I have it tattooed on my goddamn body like an idiot but the 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 only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I firmly believe in that sentiment and I think it might take a very active approach in the civil disobedience realm to be sending messages to Wa- to Wall Street to um to Washington DC and our elected representatives. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, right uh- exactly. <laughs>
2: Every single day. The resistance to Trump isn't just a hashtag or a catchphrase. It's we're going to have to live it every day. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, if you need proof that direct action works and you don't want to look back to the 50s and you, don't, you think it's too long ago and time is different. I get that argument all the time. Look, direct action works. Look at the civil rights movement. And then I hear different time. Right. Just today the Dakota Pipeline was stopped. That's right. Today, and that wasn't stopped because we wrote letters to Congress. It wasn't stopped because we sang happy songs somewhere. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't stopped because our You know, famous artists said, "I don't like this." It was stopped because people put their bodies in the way. Yeah, and because they refused to leave, and they were sleep deprivation, water hoses, rubber bullets. I mean, you name it; it was thrown at them, and they Concussion refused grenades. to go. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I mean, it's despicable what happened to these people. It's it, it's appalling, and they didn't move. I
0: think that and the, they th- won. Those private security forces and the security guards that inflicted physical damage on these people should be brought up on charges. It should be something that this Justice Department does in the last, you know, w- waning weeks of the administration because. Crimes were committed against these people
2: and well crimes were committed by federal officers too, though, because states in the surrounding area were sending troopers. Yeah. They were sending vehicles and weapons and resources to do that. I mean, this was a full on assault. It does show on Native Americans. It
0: does show that activism
2: works though. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it was it is standing proof that by standing up. And, and physically getting in the way. Yeah. And and it's, you know, a lot of times they, they, we've talked about, um, you'll see it online constantly. Oh, Trump wants to ID Muslims. I'll be a Muslim. That's a wonderful, uh, solidarity act, a, a wonderful statement. But the most compelling thing I've seen so far that really just kind of resonated with what this is about was a tweet and it said, First, they came for the Muslims. And I said, not this time, motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm all over that. I mean, um, it's it's because if now I use the Muslim thing as an example, because I don't quite think this is something that's going to happen in the the way that we perceive it, because I think most of Congress wants to be reelected at some point in their careers. right, Right. And they realize that Trump's completely insane registry ideas would destroy them forever. We we know the path this leads to, and they know the path this leads to. Uh, but the if using it as an example, I think is powerful because if they come to register Muslims, it's not about me putting my name on the list. It's about your ass getting to them through me. Yeah, they, they, you're not touching a single one. You're of
0: them. you're speaking my language, brother. Yeah, that, <laughs> you're you're you ch- you're churning up emotions in the the former Marine in me. And I'm uh, I'm on board with that kind of talk I'm I'm it's important I, I think yeah. that it, especially where it relates to the separation of church and state and the government kind of staying out of out of that business it it, it shows up listen is as, as many things as France does right I think that their knee-jerk freak show reaction to like the Burkini and all that isn't a path we want to go down we don't want to start banning items of clothing that are of religious nature. I think that keeping the government out of it from that angle is also just as important of keeping religion out of government.
2: Exactly. And, it's, and it comes back to what I said about us being the, 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 big, the biggest fighters for freedom of religion. Because I want every woman out of a burqa. out of any sort of headdress they can. But I will... Reason them out of oppressive clothing. Right. I will not legislate them out of any of it, ever. Yeah. I will never say they should. They they can't wear it. I want them to take it off on their own and realize through their own will that they don't have to wear it. Right. And because they have every right to wear whatever they want. If people want to wear colanders on their head and call themselves pastafarians, I think it's weird. <laughs> Still. Ah, uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, if, but. I don't care. I honestly, don't. if that's what makes you happy, and you're not making me do it, or telling me that you think I should do it, or or lobbying the government to tell me that I have to do it, then do it. If you don't hurt anybody else, and honestly, if you are not hurt, I, I don't want people to hurt themselves. But like to a degree, I mean, I think oppressive clothing hurts yourself, but it's not physical. Like I'm going to die. But I don't want, I don't want the government. Telling me what I can, can't believe, how I can, and can't dress, and coming into my home and and dictating it that way
0: well, it's 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 much akin to the the Rowan County, Kim Davis bullshit, and the gay marriage thing. It's who cares? You, Brittany screams about this all the time that you don't have to marry someone of of the same sex. It's allowing someone else. I, I guess I could let you. Talk, Brittany. I'm.
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of Ken Ham, I just saw him post something on Facebook about how, you know, they aren't anti anything and they're pro God, um, pro this and that. It's actually the LGBTQ community that wants to force its beliefs on to Christians, and it that logic is just so strange to me because, you know, you're not losing any any rights. Christians are not losing anything. They're not being forced to do anything. It's the LGBT community that is losing something because the Christians want to force their worldview onto them. So, I think this is an important conversation and in terms of the book giving ideas for how people can be activists, how they can stand up for marginalized populations. I think that's very important, especially now.
2: Yeah, I think that's because the the, end of the the whole thing wraps up into this and I almost kind of regret not saying it earlier when you asked, you know, about secular activism. I think all activism honestly from this point on is probably going to be secular activism. Because the biggest things that Trump wants to accomplish, the biggest things that Pence wants to accomplish all come from the religious right.
0: Yeah.
2: They're all th- I mean, even their immigration policy isn't an anti-immigration policy; it's an anti-Muslim policy. Right? Even their... even climate change. Climate change. I mean, because the, 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 at the end of the day, secular rights are human rights.
0: Yeah, God, it's awesome. That's that's a, that's, that's a drop at the end of the show, Brittany. Right there. <laughs> secular <laughs> rights are human rights. That's that's it.
1: Thanks for doing the work for us, Dan. <laughs>
2: I mean, really, like, what else is there? Yeah. I mean, because if if secularism doesn't involve human rights, then what what's it good for? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I just in the top, top of my head popped in. You know, Mexican immigrants coming up here. These are people that's looking for a better life. They're looking for food, shelter, and care. And,
0: and and they better our society. They better our communities. Oh, they better our you economy. You better
2: believe they do. I, I live in San Diego, California. I can attest to how much better they make this place.
0: We're 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 all up the road, brother. We're in Orange County. So oh, that's right. You, you
2: are. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. <laughs>
0: we, 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 listen, they th- they did a study, an independent study a non-biased thing, a think tank or an accounting, you know, budget office kind of a deal. And they estimated that it would be a $639 billion hit to our economy. If we were to, to uproot and ship out everybody who's undocumented because they play such a vital role in our economy. Those are people we should be standing up for too.
2: Every day. I mean, I'll say it again. Every single day. Yeah. Because, they are. I mean, it isn't just that. Yeah, you're right. It isn't just that they are people that are looking to, for a better life. We need them. Yes. Probably more than they need us at this point.
0: Absolutely.
2: They may. They they're coming here for their own. You know, I need. To, I, I want to leave here. That we're struggling and and you know, much of much of Mexico is still very third world, and they're coming here for a better life. But we need to realize that that's that. It's actually us that need them to keep coming.
0: It is one of the things that Jeb Bush said during the campaign in one of the debates that he caught hell for from the rest of the Republican field. But they do come here out of love. It is mm-hmm. for love of their family and wanting a better life for their kids. And as an ancillary benefit, you know, we we don't have to pay extra for our fucking strawberries. It's it's a symbiosis that we need to embrace, even from just a practical standpoint it is it is a human rights issue but if, if you don't if, if that scares you out there in audience land then look at it pragmatically from an economic standpoint because that is also you know super huge it would be crippling to our economy so anyway <laughs> I will I will step down <laughs> off of the
2: soapbox no never do.
0: <laughs> right. Well that would that would go we're, against the entire point of this interview. We're going
2: to we're, gonna, we're, <laughs> we're all going to be carrying around soapboxes every day.
0: That's awesome. We have a lot to do. Well listen, uh <laughs> I I'm going to I'm going to wrap. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I I want to plug you got all kinds of stuff because you're the hardest working man in showbiz. <laughs> you everybody should go out and and one if you're interested in in not just secular activism, but also Uh, Dan's previous book is Parenting Without God, which is fantastic. Both of these can be found on Amazon. Parenting Without God and The Secular Activist, a guide, a how-to guide for protecting the wall between church and state. Go follow him on Twitter, at Dan Errol. Go to his blog, danthropology.net. Go subscribe to his podcast. You have awesome guests. In the short time that you've been doing your show, you've had some awesome guests. It is just Danthropology. On iTunes and Google Play, I'm assuming Google Play. Yep, speaker, okay. you name it. Yeah, everything. Just go go out there and uh, and show him some love. Of- also, Patreon. Go support Dan on Patreon, just like you do us. It is Patreon.com/slash/Danthropology. You nailed down the Danthropology. That's great, man.
2: Oh it was the wittiest thing I've ever come up with, and I'm holding I'm sticking to it.
0: <laughs> we have I didn't come up with it, but we have a segment on the regular show, not the bonus episodes, called Dolomocracy. You know how like the daily show does yeah. <laughs> indecision two thousand twelve or whatever. It, one of Britney's lifelong friends came up with Dolomocracy and mm-hmm. it uh it stuck, so
2: we're uh we're keeping it stays. It. <laughs> yeah i'm I'm naming everything to anthropology from now on just because it's I'll, I'll never top it <laughs> yeah that's awesome
0: all right well listen um if there's anything else that you ever need from us if you if you you're plugging something else you're not really plugging i i I begged you since I'm a fanboy <laughs> but uh we would love to have you back on because it's riveting it's engaging and it is important like nobody's business especially now
2: I'll tell you what you have me on post inauguration and we'll to go over what we have to do (laughs) (laughs) all right Dan thanks a lot buddy thank you for having me
0: well that was great I really like him I think he's uh he's a smart guy he's he's got his finger on the pulse of what exactly is going on because as far as activism goes he's he's a hell of a lot more active in getting shit done than than you or I uh yeah I mean we we got the show and we're we're vocal But he's actually on the ground, and I think maybe this year, that's what it's going to take, is actually getting your ass off your couch and going and doing something.
1: Getting in there and mixing it up with people. (laughs) Right?
0: Well, that's your style. You love to mix it up.
1: Uh, (laughs) I do. I do.
0: All right. Well, we are going to end it there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We are really trying to put our heads together here at I Doubt It With More World Headquarters to, to come up with guests to have on in this bonus format because we want to start doing these way more on the reg. And, you know, finding the guests and what you guys want to hear is really important. So if you have somebody in mind, if you want to reach out to them, if you want to send us uh, a message, let us know. You can call, hell, call if you have questions for Dan. We can get him back on. 657 464 7609. Of course, as always, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dolomore.com. We will see you with episode 262 midweek. We love you guys. Thanks a lot for Brittany Page. I am Jesse Dolamore, and this has been I Doubt It.
2: Secular Rights our human rights.